0: Chapter Five, Part One of Love Among the Artists by George Bernard Shaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Five. A fortnight later, the Sutherlands, accompanied by Mrs. Beatty, were again in London on their way to the Isle of Wight. It had been settled that Herbert should go to Ventnor for a month with his mother, so that Mary and he might sketch the scenery of the island together he had resisted this arrangement at first on the ground that mrs herbert's presence would interfere with his enjoyment but mary who had lost her own mother when an infant had ideas of maternal affection which made adrian's unfilial feeling shocking to her she entreated him to come to ventnor and he yielded tempted by the prospect of working beside her and foreseeing that he could easily avoid his mother's company whenever it became irksome to him one day whilst they were still in london at the hotel in onslow gardens mr sutherland seeing his daughter with her hat and cloak on asked whither she was going i am going to the brailsfords to see madge she replied now what do you want to go there for grumbled mr sutherland i do not like your associating with that girl why papa are you afraid that she will make me run away and go on the stage i didn't say anything of the kind but she can't be a very right-minded young woman Or she wouldn't have done so herself however i have no objection to your calling on the family they are very nice people well connected and mr brailsford is a clever man but don't go making a companion of madge i shall not have the opportunity i am sorry to say poor madge nobody has a good word for her mr sutherland muttered a string of uncomplimentary epithets but mary went out without heeding him at Kensington Palace Garden she found Magdalen Brailsford alone. They are all out, said Magdalen, when Mary had done kissing her. They are visiting or shopping or doing something else equally intellectual. I am supposed to be in disgrace, so I am never asked to go with them. As I would not go if they begged me on their knees, I bear the punishment with fortitude. But what have you done, Madge? Won't you tell me? Aunt Jane said that her conscience would not permit her to pour such a story into my young ears and then of course i refused to hear it from anybody but yourself much to aunt jane's disgust for she was burning to tell me except that you ran away and went on the stage i know nothing there is nothing else to know for that is all that happened but how did it come about will you promise not to tell i promise faithfully you must keep your promise for i have accomplices who are not suspected and who will help me when i repeat the exploit as i fully intend to do the very instant i see my way to success do you know where we lived before we came to this house no you have lived here ever since i knew you we had lodgings in gower street mary did you ever ride in an omnibus no but i should not be in the least ashamed to do so if i had occasion how would you like to have to make five pounds worth of clothes last you for two years i should not like that lots of people have to do it we had when we lived in gower street father wrote for the papers and we never had any money and were always in debt but we went to the theatres with orders of course much oftener than we do now and we either walked home or took our carriage the omnibus we were recklessly extravagant and thought nothing of throwing away a shilling on flowers and paper fans to decorate the rooms i am sure we spent a fortune on threepenny creton to cover the furniture when its shabbiness became downright indecent we were very fond of dwelling on the lavish way we would spend money if father ever came into the brailsford property which seemed the most unlikely thing in the world but it happened as unlikely things often do all the rest of the family i mean all of it that concerned us were drowned in the Solent in a yacht accident and we found ourselves suddenly very rich and as i suppose you have remarked especially in myra very stingy poor father whom we used to revile as a miser in gower street is the only one of us who spends money as if he was above caring about it but the worst of it is that we have got respectable and taken to society at least society has taken to us and we have returned the compliment i haven't though i can't stand these kensington people with their dances and at homes it's not what i call living really in gower street we used to know a set that had some brains we gave ourselves airs even then but still on sunday evenings we used to have plenty of people with us to supper whom you are not likely to meet here one of them was a man named tarleton who made money as a theatrical agent and lost it as a manager alternately and you fell in love with him of course said mary "Oh, bosh." Fell in love with old Tommy Tarleton. This is not a romance, but a prosaic Gower Street narrative. I never thought about him after we came here until a month ago, when I saw that he was taking a company to Windsor. I always wanted to go on the stage, because nowadays a woman must be either an actress or nothing. So I wrote to him for an engagement and sent him my photograph. Oh, Madge. Why not? His company was playing opera bouffe, and he knew he wanted good looks as much as talent you don't suppose i sent it as a love token he wrote back that he had no part open that i could take but that if i wished to accustom myself to the stage and would find my own dresses he would let me walk on every night in the chorus and perhaps find me a small part to understudy very kind indeed and what did you say to his noble offer i accepted it and was very glad to get it it was better than sitting here quarrelling with the girls and going over the same weary argument with father about disgracing the family i managed it easily enough after all there is a woman who keeps a lodging-house in church street here who is the sister of the landlady at gower street and knows all about us she has a second sister whose daughter is a ballet-girl and who is used to theatres i ran away to church street five minutes walk told polly what i had done and made her send for mrs wilkins the other sister whom i carried off to windsor as chaperone that evening but the company turned out to be a third-rate one and i wasn't comfortable with them they were rather rowdy however i did not stay long i was recognized on the very first night by someone i don't know whom who told colonel beattie he wrote to my father and i was captured on the third day you can imagine the scene when the poor old governor walked suddenly into our lodging he tried to be shocked and stern and of course only succeeded in being furious i was stubborn i can be very mulish when i like but i was getting tired of walking on in the chorus at night and spending the day with mrs wilkins so i consented to go back with him he took my purse which i was foolish enough to leave within his reach whilst i was putting on my bonnet and so left me without a farthing helplessly dependent on him he would not give it me back and to revenge myself i became very uncivil to him and then he forbade me to speak i took him at his word and made him still madder by taking no notice of the homilies on duty and respectability which he poured forth as we drove to the train yes i can quite imagine that and so you came home and returned to the ways of well-conducted girls not at all you have only heard the prologue to my real adventure when we got to the railway station father who intended to preach at me during the whole journey bribed the guard to prevent people from coming into our compartment The train started, and I had just been requested to attend to something very serious that must be said to me, when there was an uproar on the platform and a man burst headlong into the carriage, sat down, folded his arms, and stared majestically at Father, who began to abuse him furiously for intruding on us. They quarrelled all the way up to London. When they had exhausted the subject of our carriage being private, the man objected to the window being shut, i think because i had done so just before though perhaps it was more from love of contradiction then father objected to his grinding his teeth then i interfered and was bidden to hold my tongue up jumped the man and asked father what he meant by speaking so to me he even said you will not repeat this please mary no why what did he say he said it sounded ridiculous that he would not permit a young and beautiful woman to be tyrannized over Oh was he very handsome no he was not conventionally handsome but there was something about him that i cannot well describe it was a sort of latent power however it does not matter as i suppose i shall never see him again i think i can understand what you mean said mary thoughtfully there are some men who are considered quite ugly but who are more remarkable than pretty people you often see that in artists this man was not in the least like your adrian though mary no two people could be more different i know i was thinking of a very different person father speaks of him as though he were a monster but that is perfect nonsense well what was the upshot of this interference oh i thought they would have come to blows at first father would fight duels every day if they were still in fashion but the man made an admirable speech which showed me that his opinions were exactly the same as mine and father could say nothing in reply then they accused each other of being insane and kept exchanging insults until we came to paddington where the guard wanted to give the man to the police for getting into the train after it had started at last we all got out and then i committed my capital crime it really was a dreadful thing to do but ever since father had taken my purse and made a prisoner of me i had been thinking of how i could give him the slip and come home just how and when i pleased besides i was quite resolved to apply to a london agent for a regular engagement in some theatre so when father got into a passion about my box not being found instantly and went off to look for it leaving me by myself the idea of escaping and going to the agent at once occurred to me i made up my mind and unmade it again twenty times in every second i should not have hesitated a moment if i had had my purse but as it was i had only my ring so that i should have had to stop the cab at the nearest pawnbroker's and i was ashamed to go into such a place although we sometimes used to send mrs wilkins there without letting father know in the gower street days then the porter came up and said that the cab was waiting and i knew he would expect something then and there from me if i went off by myself what do you think i did i went straight up to the man who had travelled with us he was standing close by watching me i think and asked him to buy my ring oh madge really it was an impulse i don't know what put it into my head but the desperate necessity of paying the porter hurried me into obeying it i said i had no money and asked for a little in exchange for the ring the man looked at me in the most terrifying way and just as i was expecting him to seize me and deliver me up to father he plunged into his pocket and gave me a handful of money he would not count it nor touch the ring i was insisting on his taking either the ring or the money when he suddenly shouted at me that father was coming and bundled me into the cab before i had collected my wits then he startled the driver with another shout and away went the cab but i managed to give the ring to the porter for him I drove to the agents in Bond Street, and on my way counted the money. Two sovereigns, three half-sovereigns, thirteen and sixpence in silver, and seven pennies. Four pounds, four and a penny, said Mary. He must have been mad. But there was something chivalrous about it, especially for a nineteenth-century incident at Paddington. I think it was sheer natural nobility of heart, Mary. Father enrages me by saying that he was a thief, and made fifty pounds profit out of my innocence as if his refusing the ring was not an absolute proof to the contrary he got our address from father afterwards and promised to send us his but he has never done so i wonder why he certainly ought to your ring is worth a great deal more than four pounds he might not wish to give it up to my father as it was mine if he wishes to keep it he is welcome i am sure he deserves it mind he refused it after giving me the money if you had a nose like mine and wore a pince-nez i doubt whether you would have found him so generous i believe he fell in love with you nonsense Who ever knew a man to sacrifice all his money all he had in the world perhaps for the sake of love i know what men are too well besides he was quite rude to me once in the carriage well since he has the ring and intends to keep it he has the best of the bargain go on with your own adventures what did the agent say they all took half-crowns from me and put my name on their books they are to write to me if they can procure me an engagement but i saw enough to convince me that there is not much chance they are all very agreeable that is they thought themselves so except one grumpy old man who asked me what i expected when i could neither walk nor speak that and my sensations on the stage at windsor convinced me that i need some instruction and i have set mrs simpson the woman in church street to find somebody who can teach me however to finish my story when i saw that there was nothing more to be done that day or the next either i told the cabman to drive me home where i found father nearly in hysterics as soon as the family recovered from their amazement at seeing me we began to scold and abuse one another they were so spiteful that father at last took my part and poor mother vainly tried to keep the peace at last they retreated one by one crying and left me alone with father i fancy we gave them as good as they brought for no allusion has been made to my escapade since mary looked at her friend for a while then she said madge you are quite mad there is not a doubt of it that episode of the ring settles the question finally i suppose you regard this bedlamite adventure as the most simple and natural thing in the world when i have my mind made up to do something it seems the most natural thing in the world to go and do it i hope you are not going to lecture me for adopting a profession after all your rhapsodies about high art and so forth but opera bouffe is not high art madge if you had appeared in one of shakespeare's characters i should sympathize with you yes make a fool of myself as a lady amateur i have no more ambition to play shakespeare than you have to paint transfigurations Now don't begin to argue about art i have had enough of argument lately to last me for life and you mean to persist yes why not of course if you have talent which you don't believe although you can see nothing ridiculous in your own dreams of being another claude lorraine you are just like myra with her pet formula of well madge the idea of you being able to act why should i not be able to act as well as anybody else i intend to try at any rate you need not be angry with me madge i don't doubt your cleverness but an actress's life must be a very queer one and i never said i could paint better than claude if you knew how wretched my own productions seem to me you yes yes i know that stuff of adrian's by heart if you don't like your own pictures you may depend upon it no one else will i am going to be an actress because i think i can act you are going to be a painter because you think you can't paint so there is an end of that would you mind coming over to polly's with me who is polly our old landlady's sister my accomplice the woman who keeps the lodging-house in church street mrs simpson you don't mean to run away again no at least not yet but she has a lodger who teaches elocution and as he is very poor mrs wilkins polly's other sister and my late chaperone thinks he would give me some cheap lessons and i must have them very cheap or else go without for father will hardly trust me with a shilling now he has never even given me back my purse i have only the remainder of the man's money and ten pounds that i had laid up and are you going to take a lesson today? no no i only want to see the man and ask his terms if i try to go alone i shall be watched and suspected with you i shall be safe they regard you as a monument of good sense and propriety if we meet any of the girls and they ask where we are going do not mention church street but how can we evade them if they ask us we won't evade them we will tell them a lie i certainly will not madge i certainly will if people interfere with my liberty and ask questions, if people interfere with my liberty and ask questions that they have no business to ask i will meet force with fraud and fool them to the top of their bent as your friend shakespeare says you need not look shocked you who are mistress of your house and rule your father with a rod of iron are no judge of my position put on your hat and come along we can walk there in five minutes i will go with you but i shall not be a party to any deception madge made a face but got her bonnet without further words they went out together and traversed the passage from kensington palace gardens to church street where magdalen led the way to a shabby house With a card inscribed Furnished Apartments in the window. Is Mrs. Simpson in her room? said Magdalen, entering unceremoniously as soon as the door was opened. Yes, ma'am, said the servant, whose rule it was to address women in bonnets as ma'am and women in hats as miss. She have moved to the second floor since she was here last. The parlors is let. End of chapter five, part one. Recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.